Great. Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me is Chesto. Hello, team. Who's ready to blow a gasket about a badge and what it's worth, or not. And Tom. Hey. Who's been going from A to B with Nissan and emitting zero tailpipe emissions in the process. Uh, and we'll update you on the superest space genius in the history of the universe in this week's Muskwatch. So stay with us. But first of all, happily, we have had some feedback, which is always good news. Uh, now, SC said the Mazda 3 running third on three wheels, dot, 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 question mark. Now, it took us, this, this felt a little cryptic, mm. uh, it took us a while, but we were talking about the new car sales race last podcast, and the Mazda 3 is in third position. So, mm-hmm. okay, we get that bit. On three wheels, not so sure about that bit. Um, so you might want to just update us on, have you, have you got it? Have, have you got an it? idea. There was a story uh, circulating oh, last course. week that the car was Where the wheel might fall off. Thank you very off. much. Yep. Solved. We, we actually did chat to Mazda about that one, and they said uh, yep. they don't refer to it as the wheels falling off. They call it a bolt torsion issue. That's it. Mm. Yeah, no, the you issue can't is talk the wheels that. will fall off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the bolt torsion issue is connected to this other issue. Uh-huh. Okay, got right. it. Finally, the penny has dropped. Thank you. Now, SD said uh, that he joined, he joined in the M4-led uh, diesel conversation that we had last week and thinks diesel was chugging along okay until Dieselgate, you know, mm. the, the thing that affected the VW group um, in the main. So diesel's okay. It's cleanish, uh, so he says. It's only when you cheat the system that it becomes mm. a problem. And I suppose that's fair enough. I mean, diesel was absolutely the engine of choice in much of Europe and other parts of the world. Absolutely. Uh, it was when that cheating scandal uh, kind of broke that every, it was on the nose. Yep. Um, so that's a that's a very good point. And well it made. Won't, it won't bounce back, JC. Uh, we'll be talking about Genesis a little later, but the, yeah. the director of that company uh, globally, Manfred Fitzgerald, says that diesel's only problem is its PR problem. It actually yeah. has huge legs in the technology. It could exist for years to interesting. come, except the PR problems well, killed it. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, SD's hit the nail on the head there. Thank you very much for that. Hammer Rocks Prize winner from last week has chipped in again, mm. and he's feeling Richard's on-again, off-again uh, Tesla vibe, but with Toyota. Richard's sometimes a fan of Tesla, sometimes not. Is not. Okay. So he's, Hammer Rocks is feeling that with Toyota. Um, he's loving Toyota at the moment and says it feels like someone's taken the sake away from the designers, and the brand has started making cars people actually like. <laughs> yes. Um, has Toyota found its mojo? Let's hope so. So I thought that was good feedback. Um, Greg, Woth, uh, Greg Wallace, not for the first time, letting us know he's not thrilled with the podcast's post time. You know, he's on the cans after Friday Arvo knockoff and <laughs> focused on annoying the fish and chip lady around the corner. But happily, he's ready to watch over a coffee later. But, yeah, um, so, you know, he knocks off, hits the cans hard, yep. then goes to the fish and chip shop. In, in so, fairness, I've always argued we're best enjoyed after a few cans. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I think we have a very auspicious post <laughs> Yeah, that could you know? be a good way to go. Yeah, yeah think about it, Greg. Anyway, uh, we've also had Jacob Matthew. Um, he owns a Lavorgue. We were talking about the Subaru Lavorgue mm-hmm. and its relative lack of popularity um, in this market. And uh, he's surprised it's not more popular. Uh, was thinking of an XV but needed a big... Be a boot big enough for a wheelchair, mm. so he went to the Lavorg. 
to which Wax333 responded, uh, it's expensive and enthusiasts don't like the CVT should be offered in a manual. Yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting point of view as well. I think that thought's reflected a lot. And given that it's it's specialised to be a wagon body, yeah. you're very much appealing to enthusiasts by doing that. So uh, that turns a lot of people off. It does. But anyway, I will be reviewing the Lavorg for 2019 or 2020, I guess, yes. uh, in a couple of weeks. So yes. keep an eye out for that. Th- those of us who grew up with our mums and dads driving station wagons, it staggers me that a wagon body could be considered enthusiast. But there, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. And Subaru has a bit of form in that, in that territory. In that there were Liberty tri- turbos yeah, and you know all that kind of stuff, high performance wagons. I grew up in a, a, a champagne Volvo 240 wagon. So, champagne. Yeah. Oh, so my, we, oh no, it was an 850 or 840, 850. Anyway, it was the later one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> one of my earliest and worst cars was a uh, Mitsubishi Sigma station wagon Uh-oh. with what I used to call the honeycomb option for the roof, which is that the lining had come off, mm-hmm. so it was all just the honeycomb, honeycomb. and it used to fall on you like every, hey, every time you went. You over pay a lot of money that yeah, Rolls Royce, you know, for that. Yeah. Now. Absolutely, yeah. but uh, probably don't breed that. It's <laughs> <laughs> only fifty percent asbestos. Was it the two liter or the, the the big block? You know, I think they had a two point six at one. Point. I think it was the two point six. Hey, wow, yeah, yeah, fantastic! Yeah. All right, now, Chesto, we'll stick with your good self. Yes, and we're going to bring back a segment we haven't touched on for a while. It's blowing a gasket. This is where you know something has got on our collective wick. Yes. But you're going to voice it for us, Chesto. Let's let's hear what you've got to say. Well, it's not so much blowing a gasket as it is asking a question furiously, if you will. Okay. And that is badge credibility or badge value. Yes. How how do we value this, right? Yeah. And this came to me the other day because I was writing something about the BMW Z4 V, the Toyota Supra. And so now we know a little bit more about those two cars. We know that the Supra, of course, was largely built by BMW with a BMW engine, gearbox, drivetrain, etc. And that its power outputs match that of the top spec M40i Z4. So, All right. you, so you're looking at 250 kilowatts, 500 newton meters, whether you've got a Toyota badge or a BMW badge. Gotcha. Now, the big difference between those two cars, of course, is the price. So the Supra, top spec Supra, is 93,000-ish drive away in Australia. Z4 M40i, about 125,000 or 126,000 plus on roads in Australia. Yep. So you are essentially buying the same car, the same engineering, same engine, same gearbox, same performance. Yep. One's $30,000 cheaper than the other. Yes. Yep. Now, the Supra has been hammered in Australia. I don't know why, but people have... I've, I can't remember a launch of a car that's been quite as controversial as the Supra in my recent memory. And yet the Z4 sort of just sailed through without causing too many waves. Yeah, right. But from my perspective, if you're not a badge snob, why why would you spend an extra $30,000 mm. on the exact same performance you can get with a Toyota badge out the front? Okay. I mean, we were talking about it earlier, and one has a roof, one doesn't. There's, one has a, there's roof, a fundamental difference there, I suppose. I mean, if you want to look at it in um, practical terms, why are you paying more for less sheet metal? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> but, the thing, yeah. you know, that's, that's a very uh, uh, surface-level takeout. But, yeah, it, it does speak to that, doesn't it? Um, BMW, of course, would add its... BMW-ness, which might be in the body or, you know, how they've constructed it from a safety point of view, or I, God knows what. I know? think the BMW-ness is exclusive to the little nose of the car. At the back. And yeah. don't get me wrong, they're both great cars, and, yeah. and, and, I, yeah. and I applaud the fact that they both exist, but for me, I just cannot see the value proposition stacking up. Yes. Convertible or no, that's yeah. a huge amount of money to spend to have a BMW at the front. And if, if I'm not mistaken, if you buy the Toyota, you'll also get a five-year warranty now, will you not? You will. Whereas mm. BMW, you still yeah. get three. And look... It, 
an interesting uh, take on this was back in the day when, uh, in the Hawke government, Senator John Button instituted the Button Plan, which uh, involved a lot of badge engineering, a lot of badge sharing. Mm-hmm. So you had a Toyota Corolla was also a Holden, um, mm. I want to say Nova, yep. um, and a Toyota Camry was also a Holden Apollo. Yep. Uh, Holden Commodore was a Toyota Lexan, yep. and on it went. And uh, in a past life, we did an experiment in a major shopping centre where we took a Corolla and a Nova and put them side by side and just asked passers-by which one they'd prefer. And you wouldn't believe the amount of badge and brand loyalty there was. These were identical cars. The only thing that were different was the badges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, okay, that wasn't about money because Holden and Toyota broadly, you know, in the same space – but it just demonstrates how much investment over time in a brand, and BMW has done that in Absolutely, Australia, yep. will pay off for you down the track. That's right. In and terms do, of loyalty and desire, aspiration, the whole absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's that old argument that you do pay a little bit more to have that parked in your driveway, don't you? So yeah. when your neighbours come out in the morning, they go, oh, JC's oh. doing well. But, he's oh. got a BMW. But I feel like as well, like that Z4, it, it's priced to its competitors. So if you look at the SLC, which yeah. surprisingly yeah. is still on yeah. sale, it's yep. the same money roughly for the same spec. Yeah. Um, so I, I think... As as well, it, BMW would be missing a trick if they didn't price it yeah. to its yeah. competitors. Yes. Um, but that having been said, you know, it could have been cheaper. It could have that might have made it more popular. Uh, the other thing I'd say, Chesto, is when you talk to people about why they've bought a car, you'll get all the pragmatic, yep. common sense, logical things. Okay, why'd you buy a BMW? Oh, look, it's the engineering, yeah. and of course, it's the safety. Oh, and the resale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did I tell you about you know just the the lovely finish and the fit? You know what it's really yeah, about. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> it's about having the best. It's about that. And, and so it's an emotional choice. And I'm not attacking BMW for this either because they're, they're perfectly entitled to charge whatever they want and they have spent eons building up yep. that badge credibility that allows them to do that. So yep. there's no, BMW is not at fault here. But it reminds me of the Subaru BRZ, BRZ, V, the 86. Imagine if one of those cars came out at $30,000 more than yeah, the other. Yeah, You'd be yeah, outraged true. at the same car. That's true. What's it's going true. on here? But yeah. if it wasn't a Subaru badge and a BMW badge... Exactly. You know. So yeah. the reason I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up today, I guess, is a couple of weeks ago we were on the Genesis launch. Yes. That G70 that we drove in Korea, what feels like a decade ago, has finally now arrived in Australia after mm-hmm. delay, delay, delay. But it's here, and it is seriously very, very good. So okay. Our reviews are up on carsguide.com.au, of course. But the general consensus is that car, the ride and handling balance is probably the best in class. Although we won't say that until we put it back to back with its competitors. But it is a very, very, very good thing. Okay. Yeah. And yet, no amount of goodness, and that car has heaps, is going to help it sell in this country. Sure. Because again, this badge thing is going to really yeah. hold it back. Who's going to dive into a Genesis? You Who have to put to some meaning into Genesis. Exactly. And, and I mean, this whole equation has been played out previously. Yeah. Where you've had Toyota creating Lexus, you've yep. had Nissan creating Infiniti, and now Hyundai creating uh, Genesis. Genesis yeah. uh, so how does that work? It takes a lot of bucks, and it takes, it takes a, a lot of time. People time. forget how long it took Lexus yeah, to be time. taken seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think Infiniti kind of missed it because they, they just didn't – they weren't constantly hitting mm. people. Like yeah. there, there's constantly new Lexuses coming out for the first sort of, I don't know, what is it, 15 years of its existence. Exactly. There's constantly new models coming, so it's always in people's face. Yeah. But then Infiniti, I, I feel like they missed that. It was but, just sporadic models mm. – not quite right for yeah. certain market segments. Well, well, there's, there's also the you know the global picture, and then how is it done locally? Yeah. In that, in Australia, Toyota has very deep pockets, and yes. they are able to invest in things, and they do look to the longer term, and and they are a long term company. Nissan, I remember when Infinity, Infinity first lobbed um, with the Q45 back in the mm, 90s. 
uh, just thought they were going to ride on the wake yeah. of Lexus. Like, mm. oh, Lexus has broken all this ice. Yeah. Um, easy. Now people will be more accepting of a premium Japanese luxury car. It doesn't work that way no, at all. Yeah. No, You've doesn't. got to create some uh, distinct benefit and personality around your brand Absolutely. to attract people. The other issue, I think, is that, and, and Hyundai's done a great job over the last couple of years of changing their brand image from being, you know, just the affordable kind of car to being cars that, that stand on their own two feet in terms of design, technology, driving, etc. So they have already changed that mindset. But when Lexus launched in Australia, Toyota was seen as a kind of, was already seen as the smart purchasing choice. They were bulletproof, reliable. Mm. The, the, the uh, dealership point. network took care of you, etc. So the step from that into a Lexus seems like a slightly easier one yeah. than, again, it if you're at home, JC, and, and the neighbour says to you, oh, what have you just bought? You go, oh, it's a Genesis G70. Oh, what's a Genesis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's Hyundai's luxury brand. Yeah. Oh, Hyundai, the, yeah, the yeah. 999 Drive Away company. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't been that in a long, long time. Well, do you understand the point well, I'm making? Just yeah, to continue yeah, yeah. Um, that parallel, I mean, when Toyota first arrived in Australia, it was absolutely cheap and probably nasty. You yeah. know, people saw Japanese products full stop absolutely. as being cheap and, you know, the, the Jap crap thing was, was around. Yeah. Um, Hyundai has been in Australia since about 1984, I mm-hmm. want to say, and for a lot of that time, it was on sale. Yeah, you know, it was right. it was the cheapest in the market, uh, and there was a lot of that about it. So it takes time for that to wash through. And as you say, their mainstream products are now getting a much better reputation. Absolutely. But is there a strong enough platform there yet uh, for to underpin? a luxury offering yeah. or a premium offering that remains to be seen. I, 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 I want to say they're doing the right thing though as well. Like they're, they're bringing on experts from Europe, experts of their field in like building luxury and performance cars to build the Genesis brand. Yeah. And I mean, the cars speak for themselves. It's just a matter of getting people in them. Yeah. Two, well, two I mean, quick points I'd make on yeah, that. Go Sorry, for it. Jason. Go for it. The, the first of which is I love the Korean viewpoint on, on building cars. They say, we haven't done this before, this this sort of luxury segment, so we're going to find the people that have. And, and if you look at their like playing roster, it is such an impressive Strong list of names. Manfred, from, who's the boss of the company from Lamborghini, Luke from Bentley and Audi. You've got Albert Bierman, who was basically headed up the M division for something like 25 years. These are people that know their way around performance mm. cars, know their way around premium cars, and they've just shipped them straight in and said, get to work. You've got Schreier in, you know, from a design Schreier, point of view of as well. Yeah. So, I mean, what an incredible way to get started, to say, we, we, rather than start yeah. from scratch, we're going to take your combined decades of experience and get stuck into this. The other thing I'd say that, that Genesis is doing, which is very bright as well, is that they're forgoing the traditional dealer network. They know it's going to be a slow start. There's not going to be dealers screaming down the phone at them saying, we've spent all this money developing a dealership. We're not selling any cars. Yeah. What's going on? Everyone's an employee of Hyundai Motor Co- Corporation. doesn't matter from dealership, ah, dealership staff to, right. to sales leads, everybody. And they're saying they're here for the long haul. Yeah. They, don't, they don't care if they sell three cars this year they, they're going to be here for all the time interesting. The and I think in. not launching with an SUV is an interesting move as well because whether they sell many of them or not maybe this G70 people look back at it and say remember when they started and they made that really cool sports car yeah you know yeah yeah, absolutely that, I think there's something in that they did that with the Lexus IS when the first one came out people yep. remember it still yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, I think it is time to move on. Sorry, Thank yes. you for blowing that gasket, Chester. That <laughs> very was very mild, good. Very mild blow, that one, um, but still. And something that, something that is not a very cool sports car, but it, it's a very cool car of another kind. Tom, fill us in on what you have been steering. Yeah, so uh, this week I went to the launch, finally, of the second generation Nissan Leaf. Uh, so the first one's been around since uh, 2014, I want to say, but then this new one has been around internationally since 2017, and we're finally getting it launching in Australia now. So uh, it launches in 
in one spec level, costs 50 grand, and it has a full electric range of 270 kilometers, and that's yep. the claimed range. Um, and sometimes there's this definition between claimed and real world. You know, yeah. Was there any chat about that? Is 270 achievable with you know just normal driving? I want to say 270 is achievable so long as you're in a city. Okay. Um, because I was actually lucky enough to drive this car well ahead of its launch. They gray, Nissan Gray imported one for uh, press to drive a couple of months ago. Yep. And so we got to drive that one. It's slight, It was slightly differently specified. I think the one that we're getting here is some sort of mild facelift because it has a little bit better technology in the cabin actually has the best technology in the cabin of any nissan but i'll get to that in a sec cool um but yeah so i did a range test which i thought was quite conservative so i've got this 270 kilometer range and i thought i'll drive drive from sydney to newcastle it's about 130 k's was was the route and uh so i had it fully charged when i left the office but then it you know it's about 20 k's with a bit of fluffing around to get home so i'm already down to 250 and then i ran an errand that morning and I didn't even think about it I did the non-electric car thing of just using it like a car uh-huh. and I just hopped in it and drove it and then I thought oh damn that was 30k's sure. so I'm already down to you know 200 or so give or take a little losses here and there and then by the time I got on the freeway I was down to uh, 180k's and I thought okay that's fine you know I've got 130k's I've got 50k's left when I get off the freeway wrong I actually only had 24k's left sure. when I got off the freeway because the efficiency and this is something that people won't tell you about electric cars the efficiency is the opposite to petrol cars. It inverts the whole traditional yeah. equation. Yeah. So my, you know, efficiency kind of nosedive the moment on the, on the freeway. Yeah. And uh, that meant that by the time I was getting off of, at the exit, I only had 24Ks left and I was starting to sweat quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to Which take... Which was it. totally unrelated to the range of the car. Yeah, no. I, 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 the seat heater it's just yeah. a medical problem I have. Perspiration. It has always been an issue for you, Tom. <laughs> so I took it to uh, the nearest charger. And this is another interesting thing that a lot of people won't tell you about electric cars, but the chargers... It's like filling up different kinds of fuel. There's all these different plugs you need to be aware of, and there's different charging speeds you need to be aware of. So I was quite lucky that the one I pulled up at at uh, Wall's End on the outskirts of Newcastle, um, that one was a, a NRMA charger with an output of 50 kilowatts. All right. right? So uh, what does that mean? Uh, well, it means uh, there they had uh, two kinds of charging port yep. and they're, they're the three phase higher end ones and uh, one of the and the one I used was uh, a Japanese standard called a Chatamo and that's right. a two prong connector and that was right for the Leaf and that's right for the Leaf mm-hmm. the Leaf's okay. only got two connectors it's yep. got a type 2 which I found to be the most popular like uh, the uh, Hyundai Kona's got a type 2 um, and uh, the rest of the Hyundai's range have type 2 connectors as well all of their electric cars um, so the Leaf's got a type 2 on one side and it's got a Chatamo on the other side. And, right. the, and the Chatamo, that was a 50 kilowatt connection. So I plugged that in and that got me 270 Ks in something like 40 minutes. So it well, okay. charges well, pretty quickly. Cool. You know, yeah. it, it's not like filling up a tank of uh, no, no, fuel, no. but really 40 minutes is, is getting closer, isn't it? It's, it's inside the realm of getting a coffee. It's getting a coffee and fluffing around for about 20 minutes. But sure. it, it's still... Yeah. Not, not the worst, you know? But that's, that's the thing that will change the quickest, too. If you, if you think about charging electric cars at the moment in, in fuel standards, it would be like trying to 
hand shovel petrol into the tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that is that is changing so much so quickly that so it 350 is. kilowatt chargers are now being rolled out, yep. etc. So that the amount of time you actually take to fill your car is 40 minutes at virtually its slowest. Yeah. That yeah. number's only going to get better. I think back to the times that I've been hand shoveling petrol. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's taken me a no, long time to it fill up the hours. tank. Yeah. That's a pretty good example, actually. <laughs> it's not particularly good for the skin either. No, no, no. Oh, exactly. boy. Yeah, you absorb that stuff. Um, but... Yeah, moving on, Tom, and the the driving experience. Are you able to talk about that briefly at this point? Uh, yes, uh, I think by the time this is published, you might have But no, no, no. So uh, the driving experience is actually really nice inside the Leaf. They've yes. really well specified this car. It's luxurious. Wow. So the seats, are, as I said, only one spec level, but they try and kind of reclaim a little bit of that fifty grand that you've just mm. sunk by giving you really nice plush. And this one is seats. more of a normal car. Isn't it's, it? It, it, is. it presents as a more conventional car as opposed to the earlier Leaf yeah. looking just a little bit odd. It was a little bit zany, and you can say that about a lot, a lot of electric cars, but the new Leaf, if someone told you it was the current Gen Pulsar, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so then the flip side of that is, does it stand up to the scrutiny of, well, is this a premium car? You know, if they've yeah. started to fit it out very nicely, but it looks a bit kind of, you know. Yeah. it. I mean, it, look, it's still a Nissan. It's not a premium product right. in that sense, but it... No, I, like it drives really well, and it's so well fitted out. It has the full safety suite. You get great. everything. Yeah, great. You get a brand new eight-inch multimedia touchscreen, which is one of the new features that's launching with this car, um, which has all the connectivity. So it's the first Nissan in Australia to get Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, mm-hmm. um, and it's got the three hundred and sixty-degree parking suite. So it's kind, of, it's kind of got everything. It's right. also got heated seats and a heated steering wheel. And there was actually something interesting in that they said in the presentation. So. They were thinking, oh, you know, why do they give us what seems like a waste of electricity with these heated seats? And, and they're like, well, actually, we found that it, it's more efficient power-wise to heat you up using the seat than it is if you just blast the aircon. Mm. So, so the rear seats are heated as well, which is impressive. Rear for seats a small are heated, car, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it 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 has a lot of yeah. It is actually it's really cool. It's really nice to drive. You could live with it realistically right. if you live in a city. Yep. Um, Intercity drives, I don't think it's quite there yet. You need no. something with a bit more range just to be safe. So yes. I, I think you really need a Tesla with, you know, those kind of 400 plus K ranges yes. or Hyundai's Kona, which has, uh, well, actually, interestingly, like, I, I tested the Hyundai Kona as well, and they actually underestimate their range. So when I tested it, I mean, it is a 60 grand car, but when I tested it, uh, they claim 449 kilometers of electric range, but uh, by the time I was done with it, my I would have reached 453.9 kilometers, so almost 10k, 10k's more. Than, Extraordinary yeah. skills you've just you know, <laughs> hyper not miling an electric car. That's <laughs> well, incredible. Well, I think I think it's less to do with that and more to do with well, they've actually really conservatively pitched their range target, and yeah. uh, if you yeah. drive it around in a city, you actually get more than that. All yeah. right, all right. Well, we, we will look forward to. Video, written yep. review, all that stuff coming on the leaf. So people who want all the details, that's in the pipeline. It's on the J- way, carsguide.com. Can, can I throw out three very quick EV yes. facts that I thought yes. were fascinating from this <laughs> launch? So I was at the same launch, and the presentation, they, they did quite a good job of explaining sort of the costs involved and where electricity is going, etc. Anyway, so they say, that according to their calculations, it will cost you, if you buy a Nissan Leaf, it will cost you $764 a year to fill it up with 
petrol with oh, uh, electricity. Electricity. Yeah. <laughs> if you off-peak charge it, it costs you three hundred and eighty-two dollars twenty per year. Whereas to drive the same amount, same distance, it will cost you eighteen hundred dollars per year in fuel. So off-peak, it would be roughly a third of the cost of a of a uh, petrol engine. Uh, and if you use solar or you manage to steal electricity from the work or from the supermarket, then yeah. of course or it's your exactly free to do yep. it. However, at even at a third or half the price of eighteen hundred dollars. Man, oh man, that takes a long time to it catch does. up to fifty grand. Yeah, it does. It does. it's a it does. lot of driving. Anyway, there you go. Well, there there is there is one thing interesting with that as well. They say uh, with that Chatamo Japanese standard port, you'll actually be able to power your house using the car because it's the only electric vehicle in Australia that's actually able to feed power the other oh, way. Back way. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, so uh, you'll need to wait about what they say about twelve months because it needs to jump over some regulatory hurdles, um, and then you'll also need to buy. A like a box. It's like ah. a wall charger, but it's not yeah. as expensive because it doesn't have a battery in it. It's yeah. just something that facilitates that two way. And circuit. is Chanamo also a Pokemon character? Yes, yes, yeah. 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 So uh, Nissan actually caught it playing uh, yeah. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Go yeah. and then use it as a charger. right at that point. Big gonna, big product time. We are going to move to the garage. We're going to move to what's in our garage and what we've been driving this week. And I will kick it off. I will say that I had a steer of the Tickford Mustang. So this is a GT 5-litre V8 six-speed manual. It's actually an orange Fury, and the orange is quite furious. You're not going to miss the car. So to buy that from a Ford dealer before on-road cost is a bit over $66,000. So this 400 power pack adds a bit under ten grand. So you're looking at about $76,000 for this car. It gets an ECU calibration, uh, so it's been chipped. It's tuned, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, so 400 kilowatts, hence the name. And you're normally looking at 339 kilowatts, uh, so that's 61 more of those kilowatt thingies, as well as a lot more newtons. So you've got 640 <laughs> newton meters as opposed to 556. So all that power, you get some bigger wheel, 20-inch uh, Tickford rims in satin black. It's lowered, because uh, the Magna Ride adaptive suspension and decals and all that kind of stuff. And I've got to say, yes, it's very powerful. It does all the things that a Mustang does. The gearbox is terrific. I really love that manual gearbox in in the Mustang. I didn't notice this mega power difference, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just in suburban driving, having a bit of a fang here and there, trying to experience the car as much as I could. What I did notice is the brakes, the initial bite of the brakes is ferocious, like a white pointer, you know. Yeah, right. With blood in the water. It's uh, really gets you, need a little more work, I think, to refine the braking. But I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel the real difference. Like, whoa, this is your 400 kilowatt Tickford thing. I'd, I'd argue body brakes is better than the decades of underbraked Falcons. No brakes, that... yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right. Well, do, you, we'll... do you feel like it's an issue getting the power into the ground? Is that the problem? Do you, like, do you feel like it's... Uh... Well, I didn't. Look, we didn't go to the race circuit with yep. it. Um, didn't really put it to that kind of level. So that's a fair point. Yep. Yeah. There may be something lurking there that I haven't necessarily explored. Yeah. Well, because I found that issue with HSVs of years gone by when it, when local manufacturing was coming to an end and HSV just kept pumping out these ridiculously mm. powered mm. beasts, you know, 11 billion kilowatts. Mm. And you would drive it, and there's just there's seemingly no way that you could actually extract that power from it. The, yep. the, the car just couldn't handle, yeah, couldn't a, compute that much It's a fair grunt. point. I suppose all I'm talking about is getting in the car and just feeling the vibe, you yeah. know. Okay, this is the tip. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it immediately in the driving feel like it's a, a much more powerful kind of force of nature? Yeah, and you you just don't get that. The answer is no. I yeah, didn't. Right. I didn't anyway. But That's we will move on. Tom, you've just been you know all over this electric bizzo. Yeah, I'm Mister um, Electric. And right now, now it's an Ionic. 
Hyundai. Yes. Tell us, tell us quickly about your drive in that car. So the Ionic, uh, they sell it in three spec levels, two of which I've driven, and I'm about to drive the last one in a couple of weeks. So the two I've driven so far, back to back, are the hybrid and the plug-in. And mm. I'm actually really glad that I got to drive the plug-in back to back with the hybrid because... Um, when I first got in the plug-in, I thought, oh, I don't know, I, I feel like this is a bit of a unnecessary lost evolutionary link between the hybrid and the full electric. Mm. And I thought, oh, is this for anyone really? But then after spending a week in it, I've really come around on it. Yeah. I really like it. I really like the fact that so you can get, they claim about 60Ks uh, of full electric range uh, with the plug-in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting about 45 uh but that's still enough to cover my commute. Yeah. So realistically, if I think about it, unless I do some major driving on the weekend, uh, I can get my fuel pretty close to 0. 0.0 yes. litres to 100. Um, yeah. However, um, you have less control over it, I feel, than you do in some hybrids. Mm. Like, uh, the engine will just switch on. The car just sort of uh, decides stuff for you. It does you. It for you. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's made... So even with my best attempts to just drive on the electric motor alone... Um, Wouldn't I, let you get away with it. Well, not quite, but <laughs> it, it's, still right. pre- it's, interesting. It's, it's still pretty good. It's still worth thinking yep. about because um, I'm getting about 2.7 litres to 100. Okay. Um, and then driving it in sports mode, which sort of uh, is the opposite. It uses the 1.6 litre engine a bit more. Yep. Um, and that... that the usage shot up to 3.9, but that's still half what you get in an i30, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tom. We'll move on, Chesto, to to yourself, and you have been in a long-term vehicle that has been in the garage for some time. It has been Fill us in. So I've been driving Holden's Equinox since, I think, about March or April this year, so there's been a fair few months for me to get get used to it. And the reason I'm bringing up this week is I I saw something that I had genuinely never seen before, and that was another Equinox on the road. (laughs) I drove past one, which made me think, what's going on with this Did you give the Equinox wave? I don't know what the Equinox (laughs) signal is. I think think it's something to do with a vibrating seat, isn't it? I, oh. I do love that safety feature, I must admit. So much better than the alarms. So actually speaking of which, do you notice in the Leaf when it's got the uh, lane keep function, but when you accidentally drift out of your lane, it doesn't vibrate. It makes a noise like you're playing Operation and hit the side. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Really? It's like, it sounds or like you a, try and put the kidney in the heart. Yeah, 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 exactly. It yeah. sounds like, you're, like when you have your phone on silent and someone calls Correct. you and it's on like a glass surface. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, I probably digress. So, the, so the <laughs> well, equinox, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, so what's, what is going on with that car? So I've spent sort of four or five months with it now, and, and I must admit, I, I really am enjoying my time with it. It is a very confident, competent, very comfortable SUV that is probably not the best in the segment, but it's far from the worst. It, it is a, a very competent offering, and yet nobody looks at Holden as an SUV supplier. Yeah. So I was speaking to someone there the other day who, who sp- told me that basically the issue is their SUVs are invisible. Nobody, right. That's their mm. view, That's their viewpoint. They have these good, decent products coming through, but nobody can see them. So I just wonder what's happening there. What makes a, What makes What's wrong with Holden's SUV family that no one's buying one? Do you think that the owner base that would have considered this car before might feel a little bit betrayed by owning a Captiva in the lead up? Possible, yeah, possible. Because a lot went wrong with that car, yeah, and um, it just wasn't quite up 
to the quality standards. I mean, even when it came out, it felt a little old, yeah. right? Is it also the residue of Holden being the Commodore car company? That's yeah. right. You know, that, that, yeah. That's going to take a while uh, to fade away. So I, I was putting some thought into this over the weekend, and I think that it, the issue with Holden at the moment is that they just are suffering this huge identity crisis. Mm. In fact, not unlike Genesis, where yeah. Holden went from being one thing and now has to try and be something else entirely, yeah. and that is a time-consuming process. So yeah, it is. it's going to take time, money, marketing. There's a big hole in the Holden brand's heart yeah. that used to be filled by manufacturing plants. That's right. Yeah, that's in this exactly right. And, yeah. and they need to find a way to perform some surgery on that yeah. and, and fix it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say this about, about my uh, little Equinox. It is... Uh, a five-seater that looks like a seven-seater. In fact, this design's pretty controversial, but uh, if, you, if you've seen the rear one, it looks like it's had an extension built out off the yeah. back that's got that sort of square edge. So it right. looks like a seven-seater. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not. But the benefit there is there is a ton of interior space, okay. a ton of luggage room. It really is, um, yeah, pretty practical thing, I must admit. Super. All right. Well, we are going to move on to everybody. Look, there are no black hats here, no bad ideas all of a sudden because it's time for Musk Watch. Brilliant. So, first of all, we should mention that uh, Tesla, in terms of autopilot, uh, the information, we'll give a hat tip to them, uh, have, have reported that key people working on the autopilot system have left the Tesla building. So there's been a procession uh, of people leaving the uh, autopilot team. CEO Elon Musk was allegedly unhappy with progress in developing fully automated driving tech. Uh, he was also said to be upset that team members have told him they can't meet the timelines he has set. <laughs> right. So, of course, you deal with that problem by firing the people That's that right. tell you yes. that, that you can't meet their t- uh, timelines. That'll speed the process up. Um, uh, also, so 11 software team members, um, and that's close to 10% of the group, mm-hmm. some of them quite long-term team members, have departed. Uh, the department in, in the past few months, and that's according to multiple people uh, who have knowledge of the situation. Several of the remaining managers are now working directly with Mr. Musk. Ah, All right. so the on you might remember that in May he injected himself into the play, fired the group's leader, and said, okay, now I'm in charge. Yeah. Right, so he's, of course, the best person to be looking after that because that's absolutely his, yeah. his expertise. Yeah, absolutely. He can do, he can do everything. He, he is can do everything. talented and he can fly. Right, and the... Well, of course there's that. <laughs> the, moving on to the fact that you know, you start to think about all of the new product that's going to be coming out of Tesla mm-hmm. when you go through uh, Model Y, mm-hmm. uh, the pickup, the Prime Mover, the Roadster, the Roadster, whatever else might be there. Well, what about the Model S? Mm. It's been in market yeah. since 2012, yep. um, in America anyway. And the Model X even, you know, I think it was 2016, something like that. No refresh. No. There's no refresh. So on Monday... Uh, Musk said Tesla is planning a series of minor ongoing changes for its Model S and Model X, uh, but not a major refresh because he'd been asked on Twitter, so what's happening what's with going the update on? of yeah, Model S? That was a fair question. And, he just, and so the S arrived in mid-2012, the X in mid-2016. Uh, there's no refresh Model X or Model S coming, blah, 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 blah. And then someone else asked, interior revamp? One word answer, no. No. <laughs> so, no, nothing happening there. So... The interesting thing is, um, some are seeing it as very dated, mm. okay, others not. Yeah. You know, you look at um, some of the commentary on 
Is it still a good-looking car? I'd say it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, think I think it's so. held its. I think it's held its looks really well because it didn't try so hard. Didn't try too hard in the beginning. So yeah, that's then right. That defends against and, aging. And also, the part of its USP has always been the updatableness. That's right. Of yep. these cars. Okay, it's just an over-the-air um, update to your yep. software, and you'll have the latest thing. So you know, it's a different situation. People are expecting Absolutely. something new. It's very much like a phone, but. Yep. It, on the topic of that, you know, phones come out every year as well. I'm waiting for the uh, waterproof Model S. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right. Time will tell. Yeah. Well, look, if you if you get a case for it, yes. you can yeah. get well, the that's kind true. of rubberized with a soft seal around it. should be able to get a themed case as well. Mm, you yeah. can be playing James Bond <laughs> but, and he's Lotus Esprit. But I, I have a theory that Tesla basically can focus on one thing and one thing at a time. That's it. So yeah. at the moment, it's Model yeah. 3. And if you look yeah. at, did you see their sales in, in June? It must have been. Had the biggest month they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. And, and the biggest quarter. And yeah. Model 3 outsold Model S and Model X combined globally. Yeah, yeah. So Model 3 is 100% where it's of at. the focus at the moment. Yeah. And so, yes, I guess S and X just uh, languish. Well, I think you're right. It is a sequential kind of company because yep. you remember the tweets that Elon came out with, oh, we've moved from production hill to delivery hill. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, that's right. One step behind it. Correct. Okay, yeah. we're just focusing on doing this exactly. now. Exactly. Oh, at God, time. it's moved down the river a bit and exactly. we've got to work on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to driving it in Australia. It finally got pricing spec not that long ago, and yeah. it's not – it's expensive, but it's not outrageously no, priced. that's right. Now, also on the Twitters, um, a person, Kelly Vaughan, has uh, added – Elon and said, you know, could you add an I'm feeling lucky uh, destination feature uh, to the Tesla? <laughs> they call that autopilot. Um, take the driver <laughs> on, a, on a fun, fun surprise adventure. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So next day, Elon came back and said, would be cool if you could, um, you know, take a random fun place traveled by other Tesla owners in the area. Yeah. And then that same day, he said, done. I'm feeling lucky and I'm feeling hungry oh, navigation no. buttons coming with next software update. All I could think of was the software, software engineers that he said, <laughs> okay, I want this by Monday. Get on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just gone, oh, <laughs> what? So, they've, they've been watching the Twitter just going on. Uh, no. And Electric, um, hat tip to them, covered the story, and some of the commenters on the story were classic. Cronin said, why does it keep bringing me to the strip club? <laughs> Well, this is and this is what I'm thinking. I can't wait for it in Sydney just to take you to the nearest VIP room. That's Devin, right. Yeah. Devin Serpa said, not if this becomes promoted content. Oh. You know, first time I'd have to say no to Tesla. Mm. And yeah, another guy true. said, yeah, sure, and definitely sell location-based ads to go with that and then sell the personal location data with privacy masking, of course. Yeah. Uh, that would add more revenue funding for the mission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a really, yeah. <laughs> really good comment. I'm feeling lucky button brought to you by McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah, I know, yeah, that's right. I know. It, yeah. It's fraught. It's fraught, but it's Or stilettos for that, for that matter. <laughs> it's a classic ready-fire aim. Yeah, you know, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah exactly. We're going to do it. Exactly. Uh, so the share price has been flat as a pancake. Last week it was uh, $230 just over. Um, so it's down from 234 So, you know, yeah. there's $4 in it. So all of the various buzz that's been around the brand lately, it's started to kind of flatten off. Yep. Um, we'll see where it goes. Flat as a pancake right now. And I think with that, we have reached the finish line. Thank you, Chesto. Thank you. And thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thanks, as always, to our producer, uh, our production whiz, Mr. Pritchard, for his outstanding work. Mr. Pritchard. Please get involved and let us know what you think. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're a listener, remember you can also watch on YouTube. Adds a bit of colour and movement. You might mm-hmm. enjoy it. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell others about the tools, please. Until next week, an elderly man was stopped by the police around 2am and asked where he was going at that time of night. 
The man replied, I'm on my way to a lecture focusing on alcohol abuse and the effect it has on the human body. The officer then asked, really? Who's going to give a lecture at this time of night? The man said, that would be my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Good idea. Thanks, everyone.